0: Man, it is so good to see you guys. Happy Sunday. I want to take this moment just to acknowledge you in this room right now. You guys woke up this morning. You're in the house of the Lord. The devil's been trying all week to prevent you here, and here you are. So give yourself a hand. Come on. And we also want to acknowledge our pastors as well, too. Pastor Josh and Pastor Kyra, thank you so much for doing what you do. And I encourage you, if you're new here, if this is your first time in the building, This Thursday is going to be something special, and you have to hear uh, from our lead pastor, Pastor Joshua. And uh, just this moment as well, too, we want to welcome our online family, and we want to see you in person. Although we, we can't see you, we just thank God for the technology that enables us to be with you today. And we want to make this an interactive experience as well, too. So our hosts are going to be online, and we'd love to see you in the chat feed. All right? Church, give it up for our online family. So many people from different states tuning in, so it's awesome that we're all here together today. Church, show of hands here real quick. Who has gone camping before? Okay, a lot of you. Keep your hands up. All right, I'm going to eliminate some of you guys here. Who has stayed overnight outside while camping? Oh, okay. Who has pitched their own tent while camping? Wow, I've got family of outdoors people over here. <laughs> Robert, I'm going to hit you up so you can pitch a tent next to me next time. <laughs> you can put your hands down. So earlier this fall, myself, Christopher Kondrogiannis, uh, which he's over there right now, everybody give Chris a hand, creative director. Yeah. And as well as uh, Lance, uh, we all decided to go on a camping trip. And we're like, you know what, let's get outside, let's get in the woods as men, and so what we wanted to do was to go see the Great Falls. And so we, we, we went there, set up camp around uh, the Great Falls area, and our idea was to get there early in the morning, and then afterwards we can work up an appetite and just grill some meat. So we had brought with us some sirloin and some bacon. Men, can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> I think we actually have a photo of it up here as well, too. So uh, awesome. So this was... Um, this was uh, after we hiked, and uh, Lance and Chris, I'm jealous of y'all's beard, trying to grow, <laughs> trying to grow mine here within the future, but uh, yeah, so we, we went, we saw the falls, and we actually went back to our campsite, and we're like, all right, now it's time to get this party started, let's start the fire, let's grill some meat, and if you guys don't know, Lance is actually an Eagle Scout, and I told Lance coming into it, I'm like, Lance, when we start this fire, I want to do it the old-fashioned way, right, no lighters, no matches, he had brought his flint knife and his, uh, um, what is it, the, the, the piece that goes with it, the metal piece. And so, like, let's start this spark, and let's get this fire started. So it took us about an hour to get this fire started. It actually had rained the day before, and so everything was super wet. And such a long time to get the fire started. And actually, we have a photo here, the second photo. So you see Lance starting the fire over there. Smoke is, is coming up, and Chris is over here. He's potentially helping out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so when the fire was finally nice and hot and burning, we realized something. It's like, guys, we left the meat in the car. And so mind you, it took us 20 minutes to hike from you know, the car all the way to our campsite. And so we're like, all right, we'll, we'll go back and, and get the meat. So about 15 minutes in, I, I came to the conclusion. I'm like, guys, we left the fire unattended <laughs> next to all of our belongings. So I was like, all right, Chris, let's go back to the campsite. Lance, you got it. I'll, we'll meet you back there. So we, we ran back to the campsite about 15 minutes later. And as I, as I went up to the fire, I was like, man, like, it got down to a smolder. Like, it almost went out. And in my mind, I'm like, no! Like, it took us, like, an hour to get this thing started. And we're doing everything we can to, like, whoop, 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 get it back in. And so I, I, I realized, I'm like, man, like, even though I was gone for such a short amount of time... It started to dwindle away and I think it's the same with our lives as well. One moment we're on fire for something and before you know it we're asking ourselves where was that initial flame? Perhaps it was when you started that new job or that new relationship or that new venture and this carries over into our faith life as well. One moment we're on fire on our faith walk and before you know it we're asking ourselves man Where was that fervor and enthusiasm I had when I first started? And here I am feeling like I'm just going through the motions now. It's just another day, just another church experience. And church, I believe this holiday season, you don't have to just get by, but you can get that fire burning again. You can get that passion back into your life. Clap your hands if you believe it. Come on. And so I want to deliver a message today entitled, Fan the Flame, Fan the Flame. Turn to your neighbor and say, Fan the Flame, Fan the Flame. Turn to your another neighbor and say, Say Passionate, Stay Passionate. Gloria Dios. There, there it is, right? I, I'm with you, my Hispanic people, I'm with you. <laughs> Amen. So will you join me in Second Timothy chapter one verses six to seven? In our main passage today, Second Timothy one, six to seven. It says this: This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love. And self discipline. Join me in prayer, church. God, we thank you for this morning, Father, and we thank you for this place in here today, Lord. And God, I just give you praise for your people, Lord. And we just give you praise, God, that we have a place to worship you and to get into your word here today, Lord. God, I don't know what people are walking in here with, Lord, but God, I pray that you would speak to them to their word. And I pray, God, that you would reignite in them something, God, in this season, Lord, that they know that they need from you, Lord. So have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray amen, amen. So church, we can all agree that 2020 was a a different year, right? We started off January 2020. We're like, yes, it's a new year, 2020. Fresh vision, right? Sounds kind of cute. 2020 vision, more, believing in big. And then came around March time, we heard this rumor of this virus in in a different place. And in our minds, we're like, this ain't coming here. It's not coming to the United States. And then before you know it, Everything was shut down. We didn't have to go to work anymore. And suddenly, toilet paper became a commodity. Yeah. We'd be real, right? And so this thing plays in, and, and we're still going through it today. And there's this thing called Zoom that no one has ever heard of. And we're on there every day now. And yeah. I wish I would invest invested stock in that when I, when I first discovered it. Yeah. And we thought it would only last for a couple weeks, but we're, we're still in it together. And I believe that the enemy... Try to use 2020 to take away your passion, take away our passion. If there was ever a year that our passion would be quenched, the enemy would use this year to do so. But I believe that what we can do is not go into this season with the lack of passion, but God can give us that passion that we had earlier in the beginning of the year when we first had that excitement for the year. And so what I want to do, I want to talk about right now is just a little bit about passion and certain indicators that may be going on in your life right now that may give you a sign that says your passion is is fading. Indicators that you may be losing your passion when it comes to your faith. So the first one is this, lack of scripture reading. Lack of scripture reading. Right? We've all been there before. We're like, all right, I'm going to set my alarm, I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to get into God's word. But when that alarm hits, you're like, man, that snooze button feels so good to hit right now. (laughs) And you snooze it, right? And then three times later, you're like, oh, man, I got I to gotta go. I got to get to work now. I got to take care of the kids. And you're like, all right, I'll get to scripture reading later on today. And then when later comes, you're like, man, like, I'm so tired. I don't want to get into the word. I'll just do it tomorrow. And that cycle repeats itself, right? So lack of scripture reading. The second indicator that you may be losing your faith or losing your passion when it comes to your faith is lack of worship. There's lack of worship in your life. And worship goes beyond just music. Yeah. Worship is when you get alone with God and when you elevate him above your situation, when you elevate God. And the third indicator here that you may be losing your passion is you're avoiding to be around those of faith. Yeah. You're avoiding to be around those of faith. And I know it's easier in this season to just be behind a screen and, and to tune in and to show up for light group meeting that way. And I I get that there are some legitimate reasons why you can't be physically together in person, but I truly believe that when it crosses that threshold of using COVID as an excuse, that's where it becomes dangerous, right? That's where it becomes dangerous. So another thing too is I I know that life happens and ideally we wanna do all these things every single day, but we just don't get to it all. But I wanna propose this idea to you that if it happens just over and, and over and over again, chances are you have to shift something in your life, right? Chances are you have to take that, 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 that handle again when it comes to your passion. Yeah. So now that we know why, why passion is so important when it comes to our faith, I want to elaborate a little bit more how to reignite your passion when it starts to, to dwindle away. Why is it so important we always have passion in our faith walk? And ultimately, what passion looks like in action? Passion in action. So what is passion? It can be defined as a strong emotional feeling. It's a strong emotional feeling that that you're going through. You can also describe it as it's when you feel the most alive, right? When you're passionate, you feel alive. Other words for passion is fervor, enthusiasm, and zeal. And so whether you know it or not, passion or lack of passion drives every area of your life once again passion or lack of passion drives every area of your life and so why is passion so important when it comes to our faith why is it necessary to have passion when it comes to our faith passion allows you to get back up on your feet when you fall passion allows you to get back up on your feet when you fall and it's not if you fall it's when you fall. Come on, seasons believers. Is this true? It's not if you fall. It's when you fall. Anybody been knocked down on their faith journey? I believe at some point we're going to get knocked down. However, our passion enables us to get back on our feet. I think of guys like like Paul within the Bible. You know, the Bible accounts for a story in Acts chapter fourteen where Paul was going from town to town preaching the good news, and he finally came up to this town to say and preach the message of, of, of Christ. And the Bible says that the, the city didn't accept it, cause an uproar. They dragged Paul outside the city, stoned him, and left him for dead. The Bible records that as the believers gathered around him, he got back up on his feet, and he went back into that city. Come on, celebrate that. That's passion. That's passion. I think of Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Betrayed by his family, sold into slavery, got put into jail for something that he didn't do. Like, can you imagine that? Like, your own loved ones betraying you, getting put in prison or jail for something that you didn't do, and yet still had passion to be excellent to the point where he became second in command of Egypt. And I believe what drove him that to get from the bottom to the low was that passion. 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 And so passion allows you to get back up on your feet. Yeah. So the question now becomes how do we grow or how do we rekindle our passion when it, when it seems to fade, right? How do we grow our passion and how do we rekindle it like, like that campfire when it begins to fade? Well, number one, you have to first discover your passion. Right? In order for you to grow your passion, you have to identify what it is to begin with. And I'm not talking about a career or a hobby because those things change over time, right? I'm talking about that area in your life where you have a burden for, where you can't look away from it, you feel convicted to that area, and you know in your heart that you have a personal responsibility to play in that role. And so in order to discover your passion, you have to know the answers to three questions. Every human being asks themselves these questions whether they know it or not, yeah. and the search for the answers to these questions has motivated every human decision. It explains why society is that it is today. Yeah. It explains why the world is functioning the way it is because of these questions. So write them down. It's very important. Number one, first question you need to ask yourself when it comes to discovering your passion, who am I? Who am I? Who are you? This is a question of identity. The second question you need to ask yourself when it comes to discovering your passion is, why are you here? Why am I here? This is a question of purpose. And lastly, the question that you need to ask yourself is what am I capable of? What are you capable of? And this is a question of potential. And so you already may know the answers to these questions, and I'm willing to bet the answers to your question has framed how your life is currently today, how you're, how you're living your life today. But in order to fully discover the true answers to these questions, you have to go to the Word of God. You have to go to the Word of God. So will you join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says this, but you are not like that. You're not like the world, for you are a chosen people. Right. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, right. for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so, church, what I want to do right now is I want to be interactive with you. Like, speak to me here. What are some things that the word of God has, has told us what we are? Chosen, okay. What else? Royal, Royal, okay. Holy. Holy. And what's the last one? God's possession, possession, right? So when I first read this, it it radically changed my life. I don't know about you guys, but after reading a verse like this, like I can't just go living my life normally as it is. It gave me an an identity, right? Not only gave me an identity, but it gave me a purpose as well. And from this text, what what is our purpose here? Can you guys identify that? To show others the goodness of God. So I hope today that you guys would get radically changed by this word of God as well, too. Is because, number one, it frees you from being fearful of others' opinions of you. You don't have to care what others think about you anymore because you have what God says about you, who you are, and your identity. Come on. And this also gives you a target to shoot for, right? And it it freed me up when I first discovered it because now I have a direct target in my life to shoot for, to show others the goodness of God. That's why I'm not afraid to play it big. That's why I'm not afraid to move states away. That's why I'm not afraid this morning to get in front of you guys and to preach the goodness of God. And I hope that that passion from this verse would be instilled in your heart today. And so, yeah, now we know the answer to the first two questions, who you are and what's your purpose. The question is now, what is the answer to what you're capable of? What you're capable of. and Brothers and sisters, that answer only you can answer. What you're capable of is between you and the Lord. But if I can shed some light into this, I believe God has compelled me to tell you today that everyone in this room and everyone joining us online right now, you have the opportunity for greatness. You have the opportunity for greatness. Come on, clap your hands so you believe it. So how do I know that? How do I know that you have the opportunity for greatness? Well, the Bible lets us know that when we believe in Jesus, when we believe in Christ, he sends the Holy Spirit to make his home on the inside of us in our hearts. Romans 8, 11 says this, "The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you." And so what that means is that what that means is this power that rose Christ, that rose someone who was dead in the ground up infinite power, infinite love, infinite wisdom lives on the inside of you. Yep. And so when the spirit lives on the inside of you, he now begins a process of making you great. He begins a process that's called the sanctification process. And I'm, I'm willing to bet and believe here today that who you are has yet to be discovered. Your potential has yet to be discovered. How do I know that? I know that it's because he who started the good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of his return. He's going to bring it to completion. He's not done with you yet. You haven't tapped into your full potential yet. There's greatness on the inside of you. Who you are hasn't been discovered yet. And the Bible even goes on to say this is, hey, even greater works that you're going to do Right? Because I'm going to the Father. So the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And Jesus says, hey, what you're going to do, what you're capable of, you're going to do greater works than when I was here on the earth. So who am I? Why am I here? And what am I capable of? Next thought. So now that we know our, our foundation of our passion, we've identified that, how do you grow in your passion? How do you grow in your faith? Well, I believe the, the first thing you have to do is you have to get around people who are passionate in their faith. You have to get around people who are passionate in their faith. And so if you don't know uh, my story, my, myself and my wife, Krizia, we, we lived in Ohio uh, for some point before moving here to Maryland. And prior to Ohio, we, we moved to Florida. And one of the things that we were highly encouraged to do uh, at the time was to, to join a local church so my, my mother-in-law, she was like, hey, when you guys move down here, you guys have to make sure that you, you guys join in a church. And at that time, I didn't have, like, any desire for anything of Jesus at, at all to, to some level. And much like you, I'm sitting in church like you are today with your hands folded like this, right? And, um, you know, for me, being, being in that church, I was able to experience this gentleman come up to the stage. And he's like, hey, my name is Pastor Josh. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And if you're, you're new here... Fill out this connection card, right? And then I'm still locked in like this. And my mother-in-law, being Hispanic, she turned over and she says, "Chow, you better fill out that card before I whoop you." <laughs> and so obviously I had to fill it out. And then afterwards, Pastor Josh reached out to me. He connected with me. He got me plugged into group, uh, into a small group, Chris's group. And really, that's when I started that process of being around people who were passionate yeah. in their faith. And ultimately, it culminated to a point where I was able to go see Pastor Preach um, at a church called IPC Orlando. And mind you, I've never heard him speak the Word of God before, preach the Word of God before, because he was just doing the hosting. And so he preached a message called Undefeated Underdog. And I just remember from that day the amount of passion yeah. that he had. He was fearless. He, he was bold. He had courageous and didn't care what others thought. And he preached the Word of God with such a passion And so in my mind, I'm like, since he's so on fire for the Lord, what is stopping me from having that same passion? What's stopping myself from having that same enthusiasm for the Lord? And so the question you have to ask yourself now, church, is what is stopping you from being passionate in your faith? What is stopping you from being passionate in your faith? Come with me to Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, right, that's our community, the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So what is God calling you to surrender to him? It's probably an area that's directly hindering your passion in this season. Think about it, what is that one area of your life that you're constantly tripping over? If I can just give you guys an illustration. Follow me, Cesar. So what I have here is a weighted vest. This is uh, Anthony Rivera's, he works out. solid steel this thing feels like 50 pounds right now right and so this is an illustration of our life when we carry sin around with us right so when we first believe in Christ we're forgiven we have a purpose we have identity we have a mission we have a goal we're forgiven but then there's a next process to that as well too and that process is called repentance repentance is turning away from your sin and following Jesus Right, So now I have a goal and I have a purpose, and if the goal is to get from here to this wall, and if I have this vest on, what's going to happen? It's going to slow me down. Right, I'm going to have to work harder to get over there. I'm going to have to sweat more. I'm going to have to go through unnecessary struggles when I carry this around with me. But when you lean into the Word of God and He says, hey, give that area up to me, what you're doing is... devil's in trouble now. Come on. Come on. Give the word of God a clap. Come on. Somebody's going to get breakthrough for this. That weight that you're carrying right now is not meant to be carried. That weight that you have on your life, Christ has the power to free you from that weight. Well, Pastor Chow, I've never really felt passionate in my life before. I never felt that, 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 that initial faith passion. What do I do? What I would encourage you with is you can start by being passionate with what God is passionate about. You can start with your passion by being passionate of what God is passionate about. So follow me here. So God, we know, is a spirit, Right? And we can't see a spirit, we can't touch a spirit. So what God had to do was he had to manifest himself into a human body to come into our reality, and we call this person the Christ. So if we examine what the Christ, what Jesus was passionate about here, it'll give us clues and indicators on how we can cultivate our passion. Right? So let's go to John chapter 2, 13 to 17. It says this. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifice. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. (laughs) Jesus made a whip of some rope and chased them all out the temple. Talk about carpenter muscle, right? He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins over the floor and turned over the tables then going over to the people who sold doves he told them get these things out of here stop turning my father's house into a marketplace in other words they had missed the point on the place of worship verse 17 here it is then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures passion for god's house will consume me passion for god's house will consume me. So we know based from this scripture verses that Jesus was passionate about God's house. Jesus was passionate about God's house. And think about it this way too, right? Even when he was a little boy, the Bible says that when he was 12 years old, him and his family went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And after the festival, they went back home to their towns and Mary and Joseph was with their family, and they were like, hey, like, where, where'd you go? Where'd Jesus go? Three days they went searching for him. It was a correlation when he went into the grave, gone missing for three days. Three days they were looking for him, and the Bible says that they finally found him in the temple, and that when he was in the temple, all the people were amazed of his concept of who God was and his answers. And his parents came up and said, hey, like, why would you do this to us? Like, we've been looking for you such a, a large amount of time. And he says that, why were you looking for me? Shouldn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Think about that. 12 years old, he already knew that he had a passion for God's house. Come on. 12 years old. So God forbid that we're 40 years old, 50 years old, 60, 70, 80 years old, and we've never discovered that passion for God's house. So why be passionate about God's house? Why be passionate about the church? Well, number one, it's a place where people come to faith. Salvation happens in the church. It's a place where people receive breakthrough. You know, a lot of times when we're here worshiping, tears will fall. The enemy is just having his hands, like, let go of you because of that worship, that breakthrough that's happening in place. Church is a place where true leaders get developed. It's also a place where you can use your God-given abilities to make a difference. And so I'm not just talking about just church in general, but this thing, these things are happening in your church right now. Come on, right now in here, faith is being placed in this church. Faith is being released. If you had breakthrough here, if you've been developed as a leader here, if you came to Christ here, give God a praise right now. Give him a praise. I love the church. I love the church. I love what God is doing in our church. Matthew 9, 35 to 36. Verse 35 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When, the crowd, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The word compassion, C-O-M, means with passion, right? So with passion, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So the second area that we can learn from Jesus, that he was passionate about the loss Jesus was passionate about the lost. The Bible even goes on to say this in 1st Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. And this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone, everyone say everyone, everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God is so passionate about the loss. Jesus is passionate about everybody to the point where they actually even made a movie after him. Passion of the Christ, right? That week is known as the Passion Week, right? So now that we've been able to identify that, that God cares about his house, his church and His people, we now have something to be passionate about right. in our own lives. Right. And so now what I want to do is I want to I transition now, right? Now that we have the foundation of passion, I want to transition into the invite, the art of the invite. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? right? So a, a large part of our Christian faith has to be a point of reaching out to others as well. And I believe that in your faith, there should come a point in your life where something within you just naturally wants to invite others into what God is doing in your city, in your church, right? So perhaps you're feeling stagnant right now in your faith. My question is, when's the last time that you decided in here and in here to reach out to other people, to reach out to other people? And so what I want to do is I want to equip you guys with some strategies that we can learn from the Bible on how to invite people. Right. So I think that uh, when it comes to the invitation, it's not a formula to it. Right. You don't do A, B and C to get, you know, X, Y, Z. But it's an art because every situation is different. Every invite is different. But I believe that there are certain principles that we can carry into the invite. So the first one is this. The first strategy I want to give you is you want to begin to pray for opportunity and boldness. Pray for opportunity and boldness because we know that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against the things in the unseen world. And so know that when you are trying to invite somebody into things of faith, environments of faith, there's also an enemy at play trying to hinder that opportunity, trying to hinder you being confident with that person. Colossians 4.3 says this, pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities To speak about the mysterious plans concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. And so you want to begin to pray for that opportunity to spread that invite. And before you know it, I guarantee you guys, when you make that prayer, God, open up a way, create a way for me to spread your good news to other people. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And the the second part is boldness, right? Pray for boldness. Ephesians 6 19 says this and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly yeah. explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Right. So imagine that if you're inviting someone to something where you know is so special and you go up and you're like, hey, <laughs> how are you? Do um, you want to come to church with me? In my mind, I'm like, no, that's weird, man. Like, Why are you so nervous right now? Right? <laughs> So you want to come in with boldness. You want to come in with courage. You want to come in with that passion when you invite people to church. So we're all, we're all attracted to people who are passionate, right? Yeah. One way or another, you're, you're naturally drawn to people who are passionate, especially those in their faith. The second way, um, the second strategy I want to give you when it comes to the invite is you want to begin to find common ground. You want to find common ground. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22 to 23 says this, When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. So I love this approach here that the Bible lets us know. It's because when we approach that person or that individual... There's something that we can do, which is finding our common ground, that will naturally bring down the barrier, right between that individual. Right. Uh, if I, I share a story with you guys, this was what probably three years ago. Uh, we were living at uh, 814 Curry Ford at the at the time, and there was a Starbucks like right down the road. And if you guys know me, like I love like being active and you know just staying staying fit. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, rather than just driving there, like I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Chris's uh, skateboard for a moment. I'm gonna skateboard down to. Uh, the Starbucks, and so I was meeting up with someone, getting coffee with them, um, praying with them, walking with them through things of faith. And so I brought my Bible with me. I, I don't know why I did it, but I had a huge Message Bible, and if you guys know, the Message is a little bit bigger, and that thing is heavy. So like, and I'm carrying that. I'm skateboarding down to to <laughs> Starbucks, and I get in. I meet up with the individual, and we're talking, and you know, we're going over things of faith, and and then we're praying. And all of a sudden, there was a gentleman that was sitting in the coffee shop as well too. And he's like, man, are, are you guys praying right now, or is that, is that the Bible? And I'm like, yes, it is. I'm like, man, like, you got a nice man bun going on over there. Man, that's pretty cool. He's like, I'm actually a barber. I'm like, oh, you're, you're a barber? That's pretty funny because I'm in the salon industry as well. Um, if you guys don't know, before, before ministry, I was, a, I was a nail artist. And I'm like, oh, okay, so what are you, what are you doing right now? He's like, well, I'm, I'm studying to uh, be able to have apprentices going on. And we were able to talk shop for a little bit, exchange ideas and plans and, and what have you. And at the end of it, I'm like, "Well, well hey man, let me get your number," and uh, you know, I, I love to see you in church within the future. And everybody, that person that I'm talking about is sitting in this room right now. Frank, over here. Yeah, I love you, Frank, man. And you know, I I, I I use that story to illustrate that God has given you such a unique story that you and only you can be able to connect with certain individuals, right? So never shy away from your, your story, how God raised you to be, because God can use that to connect with other people. So you still have great hair, Frank. So find common ground. Another uh, uh, strategy I want to give you is you want to you wanna share your story. You want to share your story. I believe sometimes when, when we meet new people, there might be like a, a nerves to it as well too, right? It's kind of like, man, like I don't know what to say or I don't know what to talk about. But I believe that when you can steer the conversation back into your own story and to share what God has done in your life, it, it frees you to be bold, to be courageous. Uh, I want to present to you here John chapter 4, verse 29. It says this, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So this was the story of the woman at the well. What happened was she went back into her town and community, and she shared her testimony. It's like, hey, come and see this guy. He told me everything about my life. Come with me. Come see him. Right? So when you share your own, your own story, God can use that to get others to come to Christ. And uh, after you share your story, I also want to give uh, you the, the next part as well. You want to begin to give them the next steps. Give them next steps as well. Uh, to all the leaders in the room, if you guys have been in a smaller room with me, you might have heard me say this before, but I think this is so important. Any time when you're leading someone, there's always two things that you should be doing. The first thing is you have to identify where they're currently at. You have to identify where they're at in, in their faith walk, whatever it is that you're, they're working on. And the second thing is you have to give them their next steps. Right. So when you meet people out and about in your communities, your neighbors, you want to identify where they're at. Well, should they get into a group? Maybe they've gone to church already. Right. Should they get into a group? Maybe that's their next step. Or maybe they haven't even gone to church at all. Well, their next step is to come into the uh, uh, to the church community, church environment. I think it's so cool on how uh, we as a church has been able to make that invite a little bit easier for you guys, like this red card here. Like this looks kind of cool. Like if you guys haven't had it yet, it feels nice, uh, cool design. And the best part is it has all the information on the back. Um, our next big event is going to be Christmas Eve. As pastors shared, you're more likely to have people say yes when it comes to Christmas Eve. And I'm believing in my heart that it's going to be a magical time. God's going to do something so special that night. So why not invite people into something like that? Come on, clap your hands. And then the last way, uh, uh, strategy that I want to give to you here is you want to be there for the invite as well, too. When you invite people to areas of faith, you want to make sure that you're, you're there with them, because it's a powerful tool, right? Imagine inviting somebody to church, and they're going, they're, you're hyping it up, you're, you're saying all these great things, but when they roll in, they're like, I don't even think this guy even goes here. <laughs> all right, so you want to be the person that actually brings them. I want to highlight a quick story here John 1 40 through 42 uh, verse 40 Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who heard that John said who heard what John said and then followed Jesus Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him we have found the Messiah which means Christ then Andrew brought everybody say brought, brought. Simon to meet Jesus looking intently at Simon Jesus said your name is Simon son of John but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And so you see, your invite becomes more powerful when you're walking alongside the individuals in their faith. And it goes beyond just the, the, the invitation, but I believe that one of the biggest joy in our lives is walking with people in their stages of faith. All right, so all my light group leaders here, the, the small group leaders, as you guys know, today we have um, light group interest meeting, so if you're in this room or if you're online right now, if God has placed on your heart like, hey, I want to lead a group or host a group, um, we want to get you registered for that event. We're having it at, right after this service to our online family. Uh, you can register at highlight.church church/events. We'll give you a Zoom link. Uh, but if you guys are here, I'll meet you guys out in the Connect here area. But what I was saying was, um, in, in light groups, one of the main goals is not just to have a place where you just come and, and do fellowship together, but we want to grow you as a leader. And I believe that growing you as a leader is walking with you every single step of the way. So, like your leaders, I'd love to see you in the meeting today with those that you've been raising up. And I hope that that principle carries over you, to your life as well, too, as you're leading other people in their faith. And so now I want to transition, lastly, here into the most important invitation of all. God's invitation to you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, our last verse for today. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And perhaps you're sitting in this room right now, and you never heard this invitation before, and you never responded to this invitation before ever. And I'm willing to believe that you aren't in this room by coincidence or accident, but God wanted you to hear this invitation this morning. Maybe you have said yes to this. Maybe you strayed away. Perhaps God is tugging on your heart to say yes to that invitation once again. And so, as we bring this to a close and approach this holiday season, God needs you to rekindle that fire that was in you when you first believed, when you truly believe in him. God has placed his spirit on the inside of you. Therefore, be bold, be courageous, Reach out to those that are lost in your communities and in your neighborhoods. There is somebody out there right now that's waiting for your invitation. And know that your invite has eternal impact. For he declares in his scriptures, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. So brothers and sisters, as we leave here today, let us shine brightly about the good news of Christ and allow God to work through our lives. Join me in prayer. Allow me to pray this blessing over you. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands right now. Lift it up. Receive this prayer. God, I thank you so much for this morning, Father. I thank you for this place in here today, Lord. God, your people are here right now, Lord, for you, Jesus. And God, I know, God, that there is something that is trapped on the inside of them, Lord, that needs to be reignited in this season. And so, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us powerfully. I pray that that fire, God, that is within us will not dwindle away, but it would spark in such a huge way within this season right now, Lord. God, I pray that you pour out your anointing to your people, Lord, Give them opportunities, give them boldness, give them the chance to be passionate about your house and your people, to reach the lost. And I pray that through that process, Lord God, that you'll be with them, that you'll uphold them, and that you'll use them for your glory. God, we thank you again for this moment, this holy moment, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, hey, we also want to take this time, too, to give you the space. If you never said that yes to Jesus, that invitation today, perhaps you're online right now, and you never made him your Lord of your life, we want to give you this chance. So, church, let's pray one more time and close your eyes, and let's pray along with one another so we can support those who are praying this prayer for the first time. Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Cover me with your grace. I receive your Holy Spirit. Make me new. Give me purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, put your hands together. Thank you for the opportunity for me to speak to you today. I'm excited to see you this Thursday, and I'll see you guys very soon.